friends, let us now listen to Brother Mel Caparos, pastor of Living Word Christian Churches of Cebu International. ready to go to God's Word this time, and I'd like to request everybody to please rise from their seats as we honor God's Word by reading it. Let's go to James chapter 3 and verses 6 to 12 at this time. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the mouth come both blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Let's bow our heads in prayer at this time. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You and bless You for this wonderful time of worship that we have had and we thank you for visiting us with your presence, O oh God. Your presence is precious. It is sweet to us, O oh God. And we enjoy basking in your presence and bowing before you, prostrating ourselves before you, and declaring who you are, O oh God, that you are a great and mighty and glorious God. We are not ashamed to declare you our Savior and our King, O oh God. And we honor you this morning, O oh God, most especially. And as we study your word, O oh God, we pray that your fresh anointing and the fresh oil of your Holy Spirit will be upon our minds and upon our hearts, O oh God. May we not resist the Holy Spirit and may we yield to Him this morning, O oh God as He convicts us of our sins, as He speaks to us about His Word, O God, may we receive it in the inner core of our beings, O Lord, and may we be transformed after listening to Your Word. I pray for myself, O God, go beyond the weaknesses of Your servant, O Lord, and give me a clear mind that I might think clearly and that I might speak, Lord, succinctly to your people, O Lord. Lord, allow me to speak in truth, in clarity, and with passion, O God, that your people might know that they are hearing the voice of heaven as the Word of God is expounded. And Lord, whatever is going to be achieved this morning, we will give you back all the glory and all the praises and all the thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Let's I'm before the Lord right now, and let's listen to God's Word. 
I've entitled this morning's sermon, The Three Descriptions of the Fleshly Tongue. Now, when you survey this particular chapter, I'm talking about chapter 3, there's a phrase that is continually repeated, and that phrase is, my brethren. Because supposedly, James was talking to professing believers, people who were claiming that they were believers in Christ. And he wanted them to be aware of this because that signified something very, very important. That meant that they had now accepted, they had received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And that being the case, they are now a new creation in Christ. And being a new creation in Christ means that Radical changes have taken place. Something supernatural has taken place in your inner being. That means now you have a new mind. As the Bible says, we have the mind of Christ. And not only that, we are given a new heart. The book of Ezekiel speaks about the new covenant in relation to Israel, but a covenant that applies to us as well that God will replace our hearts of stone and He will give us hearts of flesh. Not only that, we are told that we have been given a new spirit. We have been given the Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us, that gives grace in our lives so that we might be able to live according to the will of God, that we might obey and follow His commandments and His statutes. Not only have we been given these new things, we are also given a new appetite. We have an appetite for spiritual things. We now love the Word of God. We now love worship. We now love to commune with the Lord and to pray to Him. But oftentimes what we forget is that we have also been given by God a new tongue. God has given us a new tongue. And therefore, we are to honor and glorify God not only in our thoughts, not only in our actions, not only in our conduct, but we are to honor God with our lips. We are to honor God with our tongue. And that is why, as James belabored this point about the tongue, he was actually chiding and rebuking some professing believers because although they claimed to be Christians, it seemed like the way they behaved was very fleshly. In fact, one of the manifestations and expressions of this was the fact that the language seemingly had not changed. It seemed like they were talking like as if they had not been born again. And I believe that this particular message that James relates to us is of great relevance and importance to us because at times we take lightly the sins of the tongue. I mean, we are scandalized when somebody does something that dishonors God when we talk about things like behavior or conduct. But then we're not scandalized a bit when there are sins of the tongue that are committed in our very presence. 
Sometimes we're not scandalized when gossip takes place or backbiting takes place or when slander takes place. We're not bothered by those things. And James is actually saying to us, we need to be bothered by those things because God doesn't take those things lightly. Christians are expected to be a new creation, which means that they are people who have a new tongue. Now, James describes what a fleshly tongue looks like in three ways, and I'd like to be able to present that to you on the screen right now, which will serve as the three major points that we will be discussing this morning. Now, here in verse 6, we find that the tongue is spoken of as an evil, destructive force. And as a subtitle to that, I wrote down wicked biodata. This is the wicked biodata of a fleshly tongue. Now, you don't want your tongue having this wicked biodata. Now, how is it described? It is described as a fire, and when it is described as a fire, it's described in terms of its damaging effect. It is also called the world of iniquity. It is likewise called the source of defilement. It is also the tone setter of our lives. It sets the tone of how we live our lives. And last, but not the least, definitely, and maybe the worst, it is inspired by hell. It's inspired by the evil one. And so we don't want to be inspired by the evil one. We want to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Now, we will move later on into the second point, and this time we will do a study of contrasts. And, you know, the Jewish people are very good in doing contrasts. It's like making a comparison between black and white. Everything becomes crystal clear to us. And so there is an awareness of what is right and what is wrong. And that's exactly what James does here. And he uses the example of animals being tamed. And yet, sadly, the tongue, I call it a wild tongue, because oftentimes it cannot be tamed. Later on, we will move to the third point. And again, the third point is a study in contrasts. And here we find the inconsistency of the tongue as found in verses 9 to 12. And what do we see here? Well, the inconsistency is found that sometimes it is an instrument of blessing, but likewise it is used as an instrument for cursing. In contrast to that, we find nature being consistent to itself. And what is ironical is that as believers in Christ, as a new creation, at times we're not faithful to this new nature that God has given to us. And so that will be the flow of our discussion this morning. So let's talk about the tongue as an evil force. And as I mentioned to you, we will be looking at the wicked biodata of the tongue. So let's read up on verse 6 once again. And it goes, The tongue is a fire the very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. First of all, it is described as a fire. The tongue is a fire in the sense that 
it creates a spark that creates damage. It brings damage to our own individual lives. It brings damage to our own families. It might even bring damage to a church. I know many occasions wherein a church is heavily damaged as a result of the unwise use of the tongue. It has caused the, the split of so many churches because people are not careful with their speech. People are not careful with their tongue. And so we need to be mindful of what the tongue is able to do. We have had a spate of fires in Cebu quite recently. There was the fire in Talamban. There was the fire in Pasil, which, you know, burned down a lot of houses. Many people became homeless. And of course, you probably heard about what happened with Ayala, one of the malls here. Uh, one of the department stores got really burned. And you and I know what damage it brought, not only to the people of Cebu, but even to the tenants. And some people during the time that the fire was ablaze were having difficulty breathing because of the dark smoke that was hovering around the city. And that's what fires are able to do. I talked to you about what the fires did in California, how it damaged the forest and how it damaged many, many houses. And when rain poured down upon California, there was a mudslide that took place because the trees had been burned down. Nothing could hold the water any longer. And not only were houses damaged, there were many lives that were lost. So we are to be mindful of the destructive and powerful negative impact that the tongue can possibly wreak on the lives of people. And that's why, friends, as believers in Christ, we are to be mindful of this. Sometimes we're not just careful. We just let it go at times. We just let our tongue go. And the effect of that is that it damages certain people. Think about talking to a child and telling what a moron he is or that he is useless and worthless. When you do that to a child, think about what that does to him. He will begin to carry that identity in his mind that he is a moron, that he is useless, that he is worthless, that he is incorrigible. And so he will carry that, you know, he will carry that thought all his life. That becomes his identity. And when that becomes his identity, he will not be able to pull himself out of that miry clay. And again, friends, we need to be very responsible. Sometimes we don't really care what we speak. Some people boast and say, well, I speak my mind. What you see is what you get, or what you hear is what you get. And I find that quite unfortunate because, friends, we do not only harm people, we actually harm ourselves. That's why it is called a fire here. Not only is it called fire here, it is called the very world of iniquity. Words actually put to expression the world of iniquity in our hearts. That's why I like that Chinese proverb that says, less talk, less sin. 
The less we talk, the less we sin, actually. Because the moment we open our mouth, we actually reveal what's inside. When we are angry, it's going to come out. When we are lustful, it's going to come out. When we are covetous, it's going to come out. When we are proud and arrogant and egotistical, it's going to come out. Jesus was so spot on in Matthew 15, verses 18 and 19 when He said, But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man, He says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and slanders. Now, that's going to come out. All of that is going to come out, and it's going to be very damaging. And not only that, the Lord Jesus Christ says, it's going to defile you. When you and I do not get rid of those thoughts and those words, it's going to defile us spiritually. It's going to stain us. And we don't want that happening, most especially as believers in Christ. The Bible says that we are growing from glory to glory. And that's how we want to proceed in our Christian lives. Now, you and I know we're saved already. We're secure. You and I will be going to heaven if we have accepted Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Because after all, our salvation does not depend on us. It depends on what Christ did at the cross. So we're secure, and we're glad that, that God has written our names in the book of life. But friends, we're still living here on earth. And there is that process in salvation which is called sanctification. And sanctification is about being conformed to Christ. It is about becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's what we want to happen. Because we want people to see Jesus in us as we speak as we act out this, this Christian life, we want people to see Jesus in us because we know that Jesus is the most beautiful name to us. He is the most beautiful Savior to us. He's the only Savior, in fact. And we want people to know Him. We want to know Him and make Him known. That's what we want to happen. But friends, if we do not control our tongue, we actually decimate the power of our testimony, and we don't want that happening. Likewise, it is, it is a source of defilement. Take a look at what James says here. It says, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body. And what James is actually doing here, he is actually echoing what the Lord Jesus Christ had said, that that you know, what we say actually defiles us. So our lack of self-control with our tongues will corrupt, will spot, will stain our spiritual being. We are affected. So it's not like you just harm people or do damage to other people. You actually do self-damage as well. You damage your spiritual life. You damage your spiritual being. And, and that is not good because we want 
this uninterrupted fellowship and communion with the Lord because at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. In His presence is fullness of joy. There is nothing sweeter in life than to enjoy communion with the Lord. And I think I mentioned to you the fact that Pastor Edmund Chan and I have been exchanging texts, actually very long texts, every day. I think it is the 22nd day already that we have been exchanging texts on a daily basis. He has uh, taken upon himself to make me accountable to the Lord, and I am thankful to God that there is somebody who is out there who is watching my back and who is mentoring me every day, actually. And I know how busy this man is, how he travels, you know, back and forth to Singapore and other parts of the world. So for him to just text me every single day is just a tremendous blessing. And what we have been doing is that we have been sharing reflections on the book of, on the book of Psalms. And he shares his reflections. And, you know, when he shares his reflections, it's like, it's like a sermon that you can preach already. There is so much depth and insight. But more than that, what I truly appreciate is the heart. When, when he expounds on the book of Psalms, you could, just, you could just feel his heart and you could just feel his worship before the Lord. And he always ends his reflection with, you know, a revelation of an attribute of God, and he will always end with the statement, and I bowed and I worshipped. And I bowed and I worshipped. And to be honest, I just, I just have this godly envy that this man is able to just commune with the Lord and, and, and read the Scriptures, and in reading the Scriptures, he is actually encountering God in a very special way, and it is just so powerful. And there are times when, when he would just weep and, and just be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and that kind of a communion is so beautiful. That's why the psalmist said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Because He is good, and His goodness could be tasted. His goodness is sweet. His goodness is tender, and it is there for us. But then again, if we do not control our passions, if we do not control our tongue, we put our spiritual being at peril, and we lose something that is truly precious. The psalmist said, a day in your courts is better than a thousand outside. Oh, if we could just know the depths of understanding that, that a day in God's courts is better than a thousand outside, you will not ever seek satisfaction in the world. You will never seek satisfaction in any other thing. Because you will find fullness in the very hands of God, in the embrace of God. It's just going to fill you to overflowing. 
Give the Lord a big hand, please. I want that, and you should want that. We will be spending the rest of eternity with our Savior and our Redeemer. Friends, don't, don't ever think that eternity starts when you die. It has begun. When you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, it has begun. The life of God is in you for you to enjoy and for you to be satisfied in Him. Don't allow the devil to compromise your faith. Don't allow him to steal your, your inheritance. Because you have a rich inheritance. The Bible says, Ephesians chapter 1, that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Paul belabors that point in Ephesians chapter 1 just to tell believers, you are blessed. We are blessed. Amen. We are blessed. So let not the evil one steal our inheritance, our portion, and our lot because God is our portion and He is our lot. But you know, when we are not careful with our spiritual lives and we're defiled, we don't want that happening. The tongue also, when it is not put to good use, becomes a a damaging tone setter in our lives. Notice what James says here. It sets on fire the course of our life. So it's not like, you know, and when I speak something evil, it's just going to affect me for one day. No, friends, that's not what James is saying here. It's not just going to damage you for one day. It's going to set on fire the entire course of your life. Think about that. Think about the length of that. Think about the width and the height of the damage that takes place when you allow your tongue to set the tone for your life. It's really scary when you really think about it, when you really focus on what's being told here. It is saying it is the factor which will determine how we handle our lives as a whole. If we can't control our tongues, we will not be able to control our passions. That's how it is. You control this, you control your passions. But if you fail to control this, that will be how you will handle yourself. You will not be able to control lust. You will not be able to control that, that anger, that boiling anger inside of you. You will not be able to control that arrogance and pride in you. Oh, that, that pride and arrogance will be spilling out of your whole being. And so, again, think about this. Don't consider this a small issue. Don't consider this a small thing. Because James is saying, this is not a small thing. This is a very dangerous thing. And if we allow ourselves to just go this way, it's going to damage our entire lives. That's why, friends, we have to learn how to control ourselves. And some of us might say, but, but Pastor Mel, this has been our culture. That's the reason why 
the Bible, if you take a look at the Bible, it's always countercultural. It always goes against the tide of popular and prevailing culture. And, and be, because we are a new creation and because we now belong to a new kingdom and now we have a new king, we have got to change that culture. Because if we allow ourselves to remain in the culture that we belong in, then we are defined by what the world says and not by what the Bible says. And we need to understand, we are a kingdom of priests. The Bible says we are a royal priesthood. That's who we are. We have been given a special place in the kingdom of God. And our future is actually so bright because the Bible declares that we will reign together with Christ. We will reign together with Him. Now you and I know how undeserving we are. And yet, when you think about what the Bible has to say about what's going to happen to us in the future, it's just simply mind-blowing. It's just something that takes your breath away. And you're just totally amazed the grace of God. And that's why we can't allow ourselves to be inspired by the evil one because that's exactly what this passage is also saying. We are inspired by hell when we are unable to control our tongue. It, is said, it says here, look at, look at this. This is so sobering. It says, is set on fire by what? Could you say this with me, please? Is set on fire by what? Say it out loud. Set on fire by what? It's set on fire by hell. Now, this is talking about demonic forces that try to corrupt our minds, our thought life. And when it succeeds in doing that, it's only a matter of time it's going to come out. And we do not want to be inspired by hell. We don't want to be inspired by Satan and his demons. We want to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen? We want to yield to the Holy Spirit. And that is why we need to resist the devil because that is the only way he will flee from us. Amen? No compromises, brethren. We are to be faithful to our God. We have to have this single devotion to God. We have to have this consciousness that we are always, always in the presence of God. We're not just in the presence of God on Sunday. We are in the presence of God every single day, every single moment, every single minute, and every single second. We are in the presence of God. And because of that, Brothers and sisters, we are to allow our lives to be ruled by God, not the prince of the power of the air, because that belongs to our past. But our present is different, and our future is even brighter. 
And that's why, friends, this is so, so important to God. The interesting thing as we go into a study of contrasts in verses 7 and 8 is we find the tongue untamed. We have the example of tamed animals. Look at this in verse 7. It goes, For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. Do you see how powerful the human race is? I mean, this speaks about the intelligence of man. This speaks about his ingenuity. This, stick, this speaks about how he is able to observe certain things. And in those observations, although beasts and wild animals are stronger and more ferocious than man is, man is able to tame them. Well, that is a testimony to our intelligence. Animals, in spite of their ferocious nature, have been tamed by the human race. And you've probably gone to a zoo. Well, an interesting thing, this is, a, this is going to be a free plug. We now have a zoo here in Cebu. And the reason my, my wife and I knew about it was there were some posts from some of our couple's ministry who went to... Uh, to one of the zoos right now in Carmen, Cebu, and it's very nice. And it's interesting how, how people are able to tame those wild animals. If you go to Singapore, you will notice the animals there, the lions and all these, you know, strong, ferocious beasts, they do not have a cage. And the interesting thing is, well, how do you keep the zoo safe? If there are no cages, well, the ingenuity in that zoo is that they have put bodies of water, large bodies of water around these animals, which serve as a psychological barrier. They're not really that deep, but it serves as a psychological barrier to these animals that they should not cross. And what do we see here once again? The ingenuity of man. Man is able to tame animals. But here's what's intriguing. While we can tame the animals, we can tame our tongue. Notice the wild tongue in verse 8. It says, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison." Though we have been successful with animals, we have not been able to successfully tame the tongue. It is restless, the Bible says. It is full of deadly poison. The word restless here in Greek suggests a picture of some caged but unsubdued wild animal ever pacing uneasily up and down its den. And I'm sure you've experienced this. Somebody comes up to you and says, I'm going to tell you something. It's secret. Well, if it's a secret, why are you sharing it? Amen? It's secret. Don't tell anybody, please. 
And the interesting thing is when somebody says it's secret, all the more our tongues get itchy. And so the, the story is shared to this, this brother or this sister. And then when, when, when the word secret comes into his mind, the tongue begins to itch again and then shares the secret again. Until the so-called secret now becomes public domain. Everybody in the world knows about it except the person you were talking about. And friends, again, that's not right. James minces no words. He calls it poison. And I think it is a very apt word, a very appropriate word, because what it does is it damages. It damages reputations. It damages lives. It damages relationships. Many relationships are broken. And friends, by the way, I just got reminded, and sometimes this comes out even on Facebook. And we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not really a talker, but maybe you're a poster. You keep on posting a lot of things, and you just, you know, utter profanities and, and bad things, and you damage a lot of people. I mean, the di digital world that we have right now, it could be useful. But the digital world also can be very, very damaging. And the interesting thing is this, and you, you know this to be true, that the first time you hear something, it's more believable than when you hear the other side of the story. Isn't that true? The first thing that you hear sounds more believable and credible than when you hear the other side of the story. It's always the case. So the problem is even when a person is able to share his side of the story, the damage has already been done. And some people know the power of this, and that's why they use Facebook. And sometimes it is not used in a proper way. Let me share to you a story. The radio producer at the radio Bible class, Ralph Muller, came to the office with a tidbit of news he thought might be of interest. He goes, Henry, they just reported on the radio that the Science Food Department of Michigan State University, after years of careful research, has finally found a way to peel onions without making the eyes water. They claim there will be no tears when you perform the chore if you keep your mouth shut. There will be no tears if you keep your mouth shut. And friends, I mean, that's not only true literally, that is also true figuratively speaking. When we are able to control our tongue, then it will not be a poison that will cause tears for other people. You know what's interesting? Since the fall of man, man lost dominion over all creation, including himself. Amen? That is what happened. When Adam and Eve fell, not only did they lose dominion 
of God's creation, and that was what was assigned and tasked by God for them to do. But not only did they lose that dominion, they lost dominion over themselves. Think about the story of Cain and Abel. What did, what did Abel do to Cain to merit murder? All that Abel did before God was to give a righteous offering, a righteous sacrifice to the Lord. He never harmed his brother Cain. He never did anything wrong. He did not provoke or irritate him. But you see, the problem was that Cain lost dominion over himself. He could no longer control his emotions. He could no longer control his envy. And he was thinking to himself, why did God receive the offering of Abel and rejected mine? And because he was so angry and he knew he could not kill God, guess what he does? He kills his brother Abel. God calls him to account for doing that. And instead of repenting, guess what Cain says? Am I my brother's keeper? It's interesting that man lost dominion ever since the fall of Adam and Eve. That's why although people would say, would like to claim that we are intelligent beings, the truth of the matter is we're not really ruled by logic many times when we make decisions, but rather we are ruled by our emotions. Like they say, love is blind. Sometimes a woman sees a man and you see all the warning signs, all the warning signs, all the things that your parents warned about a guy that you should not marry. And yet, you could not resist the twinkle in the eye. You could not resist the smile and the charisma and the sweetness. And although all those warning signs are glaring, you just fall right into the bait. Why? Because we've lost dominion over ourselves. Thank God we have Christ and we can regain dominion over ourselves. Amen? That's what He brought back. That's what Jesus brought back to us. And it will get bigger and brighter and greater and more glorious as time goes on. I look, I look forward to the time when Christ will reign as King over the whole earth. I look with excited anticipation for that day and time to come. What glorious life that would be for us. And it all began in the cross. So be careful of the tongue. The tongue also is inconsistent as we see another study of contrasts in verses 9 to 12. Let's take a look at this. The inconsistency is found in the fact that it is an instrument of blessing at the same time an instrument of cursing. Verse 9 reads, With it 
we bless our Lord and Father. That's what we did this morning, right? We sang songs. But here's the downside of this verse, and with it we curse men. Why should it be wrong? Because it says, who have been made in the likeness of God. I mean, you may hate some people, but know this, notice this. Every man, every man, say every man, has been made in the likeness of God. Could you say that to your neighbor, please? You have been made in the likeness of God. Ew. I hope you're not doing that. And what do we find here? The inconsistency of our tongues. It is like a Dr. Jekyll and Hyde. With it, we bless the Lord. And then we curse men who are made in the likeness of of God. Let me show you a picture. It, it's, like, it's like this. What's this? This is a what? If you could recognize it. It's a snake. Have you noticed anything about its tongue? It's a forked tongue. It's like it has two tongues. And sometimes this is how we behave. Sometimes this is how we speak. Sometimes we bless the Lord. We use the tongue to bless the Lord. And at the same time, we use this tongue that God has given us to curse men, to say bad things against men, to gossip against men, to slander against men. And we're not supposed to do that. There is a part in every man which is of God. In the sense of creation, God has put His likeness in us. The likeness of man to God is in the area of intellect. You know, animals don't think. They don't have the brains to process and make decisions. Every decision they make is based on their instinct, not because they processed it in their minds. Animals don't have souls. They don't have spirits. We have souls. We have spirits. We have been made in the likeness of God. That is why it is wrong to curse men. Now let me use a limping illustration. Would you ever curse the picture of somebody you love? Yes or no? I'm not hearing you. Are you sure? Of course not. You wouldn't think of looking at the picture of somebody you love and start cursing that. You'd probably curse somebody, and this is talking about people in the world, you'd probably curse somebody you hate, but not somebody you love. But here's the thing, and I use this as a limping illustration. The picture of God is us because we have been made in the image of God. And so why curse each other? Why say bad things against each other? Now, to balance this, and I will balance this later on, but let's read verse 10 first of all. It says, From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, notice, 
comes out again, my brethren, believers, sons and daughters of God, listen, this is you. You say you're a Christian. You say you're a believer. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. It should not be the way. This is not the way of God. Just to share to you the, the reflection of Edmond Chan this morning, which he shared to me. He says that we move in our spiritual growth until such a time wherein we actually prefer the will of God. We prefer it. The Lord Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. The, one of the highest forms of worship coming from the heart is when you say, Lord, I prefer your will. Lord, not my will. There are certain things I want. There are certain things I aspire for and dream about. But Lord, not my will. Your will. I prefer your will. So here's the thing. We must prefer the will of God for our tongues. Now, this does not mean, of course, that we can't say anything negative because Jesus did say some things that were negative. But here's the difference. When He spoke those negative things, it was not to condemn. It was to bring people to repentance. And when He spoke the truth, we can be sure of one thing. He spoke the truth in love. So again, th this is just to balance things because we might think, well, I can't say anything negative. Well, if it's something that can help somebody repent, why not? If it is something that will bring somebody to his senses, why not? If it is something that will restore him back to God, why not? If it is something that you speak out of a heart of love because you care. You care enough to say the truth. Why not? For as long as we do not say these things with a censorious and malicious spirit, then you can speak without your conscience being bothered. The interesting thing is, though the tongue can be inconsistent, we find the consistency of nature. Look at verse 11. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? If it's fresh water from a well, it's fresh water all the way. If it's bitter water, it's bitter water all the way. That's how it is. The fountain sends only one type of water, and the same thing should be the case with us in the sense that what the water that should come out of our mouths should be a water of blessing. Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, again, word brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? The interesting thing is, although the Bible isn't really a, a scientific book. It is 
scientifically accurate. You know what James was saying here is actually a scientific law. It is the law of biogenesis. Like begets like. All right? That's why it says here, can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives? It cannot. Because like begets like. A fig tree will produce figs. An olive tree will produce olives. By the way, just as a sidebar, this is the reason why I don't believe in evolution. How many of you believe that you come from apes? Raise your hands. How in the world can you believe that you came from apes? By the way, that's, that's part of the uh, uh, Brother Bebs handles that very well in his book. That's why you should buy his book. This Darwinian theory has never ever been proven because actually it contradicts a law in science, the law of biogenesis. But let me just go back to the point of James. The point of James is this is how nature works. Like begets like. Olives produce olives. Figs produce figs as well. Dogs will produce dogs. Cats will produce cats. That's how it is. That's how nature is so consistent. And so what's the point? of James here. It says, nor can salt water produce fresh. The illustration basically teaches this, that if we have been made made partakers of divine nature, if we are a new creation, why is it that we are inconsistent with our nature? If our nature is divine, if we are sharing in the life of God, If the Holy Spirit lives and dwells inside of us, how is it that though plants and animals are consistent, we, with our new nature, are inconsistent? How is that possible? I recall the testimony of Brother Pani Pagalan, who several years ago passed away. Before he came to Christ, he was a very self-righteous person. I think what that meant was that he did not have any vices. He was not into drinking, not into smoking, not into drugs. And you know what? Sometimes it's so hard to convince a person like that to come to Christ because people like that will think, well, why do I need Christ? I'm a good person. Christ is only needed by people who, who have vices people who are sinful. I'm not like that, some people might say. But you see, for you to be able to accept Jesus into your life, you need to have an awareness that you're a sinner. There must be an admission, an acknowledgement that you are a sinner and that you need to repent of those sins for you to have Christ in your life, for you to have eternal life, for you to receive the free gift of salvation. That's why it is very important that in the presentation of the gospel, we, be able, we, we should be able to show to people where they need God. We need to be able to share to people that they need a Savior. 
And how, how will people cry out for a Savior if they think they're all right? So that was the dilemma, Brother Pani. But then one thing he noticed, and God opened his eyes. One, note, one thing he noticed, he had a foul, dirty mouth. And when he encountered God, it was like, just like what happened with Isaiah. When he had the revelation of the holiness of God, Isaiah just realized that, by the way, he was already a prophet at that time. But even as a prophet who used his mouth to be an instrument of blessing, he, when he was right in the very presence of God, he just realized, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And there I say it was delivered from a dirty mouth. And I believe that is exactly what happened to Brother Pani. And he made Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior. And he started to use his mouth to evangelize and preach the gospel to others. What a glorious testimony that is. I guess if there is an area wherein we need to do a lot of repenting, it might be this. Hopefully, these descriptions that we have shared to you about the, the damaging tongue will create a sobering effect upon us. It will cause us to become more conscious about what comes out of our mouths. For after all, we are a new creation. And friends, by the way, we are beings of habit. For as long as we do good things for several days and months, you will notice it becomes a lifestyle. So how do you cure a tongue that has been so used in doing damage, we just have to control it one day. And let that, let that one day become two days. And that two days become three and four and five and six and seven. And let that one week become two weeks. And let those two weeks become three. And let those three become four. And let that one month become two months and three months and so on down the line. And you will find deliverance. We are a new creation. We are blessed. We have a new mind. We have a new heart. We have new appetites. And we have a new tongue. Let's give God the glory for that. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I call upon those who do not know Christ. You have to have this realization that you cannot save yourself and that you are a sinner. And that your only hope of salvation is Christ. Only He can change you. 
Only He can mold you and only He can save your soul and write your name in the book of life. Good works will not save you. Only Jesus can. If you want to be a new creation with a new mind, with a new heart and a new tongue, and if you want your name to be written in the book of life, come to Christ. Now, you may not know how. I'd like to lead you and guide you in prayer. The prayer in itself is not efficacious. The prayer is simply a guide. God knows what's in your heart. So if ever you want to pray this, can you please pray it from your heart? And as a sign of faith, if I should be leading some people in prayer, could you please slip up your right hand to the Lord all over this place right now? Those who want to accept Jesus, just slip up your right hand. Yes, yes, brother, amen. Amen for those hands. Amen, sister, amen. Amen. Anyone else aside from these hands that have been raised up? Yes, brother, yes, sister, amen. Anyone else? Anyone else aside from these brothers? and sisters. Amen. You can put them down right now. I'd like you to please pray this from your heart, please. Lord Jesus Christ, I know I cannot save myself. My good works will not save me because what you require is a perfect life. And I cannot give that to you by myself. And so, Jesus, I, I run to you. I run to the cross, and I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior. And I, I accept the free gift of eternal life through your blood. I accept the cleansing and washing power of your blood. And Jesus, from this time onwards, I am yours. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Holy Spirit, live and dwell in me forever. Form Christ in me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you for this morning, O oh God. And thank you, Lord, for the fresh anointing and the fresh oil of the Holy Spirit that came upon us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for bringing conviction. Thank you, Lord, for speaking the truth in love to us. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes. And we pray, Father, that your word will not return to you null and void, but that it might accomplish the very purpose by which you have sent it for. Oh, Jesus, we pray that you might be honored and you might be glorified with our speech. And we thank you as well, Lord, that we could give our tithes, our grace gifts, and our offerings, Lord, to worship you. Bless them, Lord. And whatever is going to be achieved this morning, whatever has been achieved this morning, we give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.